In 138 BC, a Chinese diplomat at the head of a group of more than a hundred people was dispatched by the Chinese emperor to explore Central Asia and to seek alliances. This was a difficult and dangerous journey, and for most of them, it was a one-way trip. The Chinese diplomat himself survived through many difficulties and returned to the Chinese capital after 13 long years. He became the most well-known Chinese explorer and diplomat, the first man to bring back a reliable account of the lands of Central Asia to the court of China and a pioneer of the ancient Silk Road. His name was Chang Qian and his story was found on the wall paintings in Dunhuang. Hello, welcome to this episode of the Why We Love Dunhuang podcast. Cave 323 is another cave built in the early Tang period. It has rich content on the south and north walls illustrating the history of Buddhism in China. These paintings form a series of narratives arranged in chronological order from the Han dynasty to the Sui dynasty, roughly from the 3rd century BC to the 7th century AD, including a clear narration of the story of Chang Qian. Why was a Chinese diplomat depicted in these Buddhist caves? Cave 323 consists of a front chamber and a main chamber. It was built around the time that the Tang's landscape painting reached its zenith. The landscape paintings in this cave mark the peak of Tang dynasty paintings. The relationship between figures and scenery, close and distant views, mountain and water, and even the layout of the landscape are all well-designed and reflect the unique ingenuity of the artists. Mountains and rivers are used to separate the scenes, but also serve to link them together harmoniously. Perspective is maintained as the images seen at different distances from the observer are proportional in size. On the north wall is the story of Chang Cheng being dispatched by the Chinese emperor to the western region, that is today's Central Asia. According to history, Chang was captured and detained for 10 years by a nomadic enemy of China, but he managed through all the difficulties and finally returned to China after an absence of 13 years. Though he failed to achieve a military alliance with foreign tribes, he became well acquainted with the geography, people, customs and cultures of more than 30 kingdoms in Central Asia. The Han Emperor was interested in what they had seen and sent more expeditions to the West. Later, Chang was sent to the Western region again with a larger delegation and lots of trade goods, including silk and gold. His missions to the West led to the formalization of trade, especially the silk trade, between China and Persia. It should be emphasized, however, that there was, as yet, no mention of Buddhism in the recorded history related to Chang's westward journeys. The wheels of history continue to move forward. After more than 700 years, the ancient Silk Road embraced a booming period in the Tang dynasty, 
and Buddhism was expanding in China. Buddhist believers took advantage of Chan Chen's celebrity effect and endowed the great diplomat and Silk Road pioneer with a new mission of introducing Buddhism into China. By making Chan out to be a religious envoy, the time of Buddhism being accepted by the Chinese was brought forward more than a hundred years earlier than the formal historical records actually show. The painters of Cave 323 combined in detail Chang's historical undertaking and his fictional relationship with Buddhism. The murals tell the story of Emperor Wu of the Han Dynasty receiving two gold statues after a victorious war. However, he did not know what or who these statues were. So he sent Chang to the west again, where Chang discovered that they were statues of Buddha. There is one scene which shows Emperor Wu sitting high up on horseback under a decorated canopy and followed by an entourage. In front of him is Envoy Chang, who is kneeling down with a scepter in his hands, ready to set off. Above is a scene of Chang travelling through the mountains with two attendants, heading for a faraway city. In the top corner you can find a picture of city walls in the Western region style and in front are two monks welcoming Chang Chen's arrival. Although this may not be a precise historical fact, it is still a particularly good source in studying the history of the Silk Road and the interaction between China and Central Asia. The scene on the west side of the south wall depicts the story of two stone Buddhas floating on the river. This is another story indicating how Buddhism was introduced to China. Depicted at the top right, two stone statues are found floating in a river estuary in South China. The Taoist priests below the statues want to welcome them but are stopped by a storm. The statues cannot be reached until the Buddhists arrive. The weather then turns favourable and the statues drift close to the shore and are carried by boat to the town to be worshipped. The story may imply that Buddhism was carried to South China along sea routes. The mural vividly illustrates how locals are coming to welcome the statues. A man is pulling an ox with a woman and a child sitting on it, and another woman is walking behind and whipping the ox. They might be three generations of a family, and this is an exact picture of country life. Another Buddha statue story is depicted on the east side. It's about the bronze Buddha that was found in AD 326 in present-day Yangzhou in eastern China. According to the story, people wanted to carry the statue into town in an ox cart, but the ox just stopped on its own in front of a monastery. So they placed the statue in the monastery to be worshipped. In the mural, the bronze statue is radiating colourfully. People are rowing boats to welcome the statue. However, this magnificent picture is not a complete one. The central part, in which a big ship was originally depicted, is missing. It's obvious that the missing section did not just fall off due to natural causes. So, what happened? It was taken away by American explorer 
Landon Warner in 1924 using a specially made adhesive tape. He also carried off several other pieces of murals and a Tang statue from the Dunhuang Caves. These pieces are now part of the priceless collection of the Sackler Museum of Harvard University. Although incomplete, we can still feel the religious scenes of the ancient Chinese from the lifelike depiction of human behaviors. It also provides rich information about the sailing and shipbuilding industries of the Tang Dynasty. In the early Tang Dynasty, Buddhism, as an imported religion, was competing with Chinese Taoism to gain more followers in China. This is also the reason why Buddhists in the Tang Dynasty hoped to increase the influence of Buddhism with the help of celebrities, such as Chang Qian. Although the political status of Buddhism was inferior to that of Taoism, its wide dissemination, economic strength and number of believers was far higher than those of Taoism in the Tang Dynasty, which is also reflected in the murals of the Dunhuang Caves. In fact, not only did Buddhist advocates in the Tang Dynasty use celebrities to increase their religious influence, influential figures of the time also used Buddhism to win people's hearts. One excellent example could be China's first and only female emperor. How she used Buddhism to consolidate her rule? Well, that's another story of Dunhuang waiting for you on the next episode of the Why We Love Dunhuang podcast. Special thanks go out to the Dunhuang Academy and Sangliang Zhongdu for contributing to the contents of this podcast. If you like the show, do give us a five-star rating or a review. I'm Graham Stevens. See you next time on Why We Love Dunhuang. Stay tuned. <laughs>